Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Well friends, it's uh, good to see each and every one of you. We are quite a full house this morning. Lovely to sing God's praises together with you and declare that great truth. Christ is mine forevermore. Amen. Amen. What a glorious reality we have living in the knowledge that we are saved by Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. If you are visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, uh, we're working through the book of 2 Corinthians. That's in the New Testament. You can turn there in your Bible or flick there in your phone. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. If you hit Revelation, you've gone too far. (laughs) Got to flick back a little bit more. 2 Corinthians, Uh, we find ourselves this morning in chapter 6, we're going to be preaching through verse 1 to verse 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse 13. Just to make it easy for you so that you know what I'm trying to convey to you this morning from God's word, let me tell you the argument I'm planning on making. We, that's us, all of us, everyone here that is in Christ, we are to minister, that's not just me, the minister, I'm talking about our individual ministry, we are to minister the death and resurrection of Jesus to our world. That's wherever God's placed you, in your family, with your friends, with your colleagues, in your school, wherever God has placed you, We are to minister the death and resurrection of Jesus to our world. And I'm going to make that point from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, from the first verse to the 13th verse, making three main sub points to that argument. Three descriptions of every Christian's ministry. The first point that I'm going to make is from verse 1 and 2, and it's this We herald. That's the description of our ministry. That ought to be the description of your ministry. We herald, verse one and two. And then from verse three to verse 10, we endure. And then the third point that I'll make is from verse 11 to verse 13, we love. Let's read through the text. I'll make you aware of the headings as we go through it. So three descriptions of every Christian's Ministry. Number one, we herald verse one and two. Working together with him, Paul writes, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Second point, we endure from verse three to verse 10. We put no obstacle 
in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Third point. We love, verse 11 to 13. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. We are ambassadors. Every one of us that is seated here today that is in Christ, we are ambassadors. We are representatives of a foreign land, of a king not of this world in the capital city of Pretoria. And we are to herald the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our King, to our world. Our task is set. Our mission is clear. Make Jesus Christ known in this place. First point of three. We herald verse one and two. Let me tell you what's happening in verse one and two, big picture. Paul appeals to the Corinthians to not squander the grace they have received because Jesus is, you can say amen to this, Les, because Jesus is risen from the grave, amen. (laughs) And so now is the right time to proclaim him to the nations. Paul appeals to the Corinthians not to squander the grace that they have received. Read verse one together with me. It says, and working together with him, we also appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Even if it doesn't say it in the translation that you're reading from, the Greek reads and working together. That conjunction, that little word and, is is joining Paul's train of thought in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 11 to verse 21 to what follows in chapter 6. Paul has been describing the ministry of reconciliation. You can read that in chapter five, verse 18. And his ministry of begging people to be reconciled to God 
through faith in Christ. That's explicit in the first half of verse 20. And Paul has described himself as an ambassador for Christ, God making his appeal through us, the second half of verse 20 in chapter five. Now we understand this idea of ambassador. We live in the capital city. We are surrounded by embassies, by consulates. Just down the road from us is the embassy of the Republic of Congo. In the other direction is the High Commission of the Republic of India. Um, Across the road from us is the embassy of the United States of America. And the ambassadors of those three embassies of Congo is uh, Chantal Moraes, Itua Apoyolo, I think I got the name close as I can, Uh, of India is Jadeep Shakar, of the United States of America is Reuben E. Brigetti. What are the honorable Itoa, Apoyolo, Shakar and Brigetti here in South Africa to do? Well, an ambassador is a representative of a country who resides in a foreign land and acts as the highest ranking diplomat official to that land, representing the sending government in the host country. If you had to read in your Bibles, turn to chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians and read verse 20 with me again. It says, therefore, we... That's you, that's me. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul sees himself as an ambassador for Christ. But mark this, it is God who makes his appeal through Paul. There is a synergistic relationship between Paul and God in Paul's proclamation. And I I use that word synergistic intentionally because this word synergy is the Greek word which is translated as working together here in our text. Synergio. Paul is in synergy with God. Paul partners with God, or better yet, God partners through Paul. Now, Paul's appeal to the Corinthians is do not receive this grace of God in vain. Don't fumble the ball, so to speak. You've received grace, now use the grace that you've received. Grace is God's unmerited favor at Christ's expense. God, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. We do not deserve to be servants. We do not deserve to be ministers. We do not deserve to be counted as ambassadors, but that is what our king has made us. Now don't fumble the ball, Paul says. Because Jesus 
is risen from the grave. Read the first bit of verse two together with me. For he says, in a favorable time, I will listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Amen. Sounds great, but it's going to get a big amen shortly when I explain it. (laughs) On the first read, I thought Paul was aiming these words at the Corinthians. I, being God, have listened to you, the Corinthians, in a favorable time. Or I, being God, have helped you, the Corinthians, in a day of salvation. The interpretation then might be that something along the lines of you, the Corinthians, are saved. But then, in the next few lines, something doesn't add up. Something doesn't make sense because they say now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. If you're already saved, how is it that now is the time of salvation? Which got me scratching my head. And this morning, I I want to give a, a class. I want to give an explanation of how the New Testament authors quote the Old Testament. Because that helps us to interpret these verses in their context. To do that, we need to look back, not at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but at the Old Testament passage that Paul is quoting from. And so in your own Bibles or on your phone, would you flick back to Isaiah chapter 49? Isaiah chapter 49. Paul is quoting from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And he's quoting a passage from Isaiah chapter 49. Even as you go there, let me just say that Paul clearly knew the Old Testament. And he is quoting from the Old Testament the same way that I preach to you from the New Testament. I make careful consideration of the context of the passage that I'm preaching to you. I apply the historical knowledge of what's going on. I look at the grammar of the passage and I give you a literal meaning of what the text says and I preach on any given Sunday morning. That is what Paul is doing as he quotes from Isaiah chapter 49. Scan with me as we go through this chapter relatively quickly. It begins in verse one to four, really talking about the call of the Messiah. I mean, you will hear even in these opening words how this relates to the Messiah who is to come, who is Jesus. It says in verse one, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. I'm thinking of Revelation where Jesus stands and a sword comes out of his mouth. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant. This is one of the servant songs of the book of Isaiah. Uh, The same kind of servant songs that we often read around the table as we share in communion, which talks about Jesus Christ being pierced for our transgressions, how all we like sheep have gone astray and how Jesus came uh, to take away our sin and appease the wrath of the Father. This is one of those servant songs. And he said to me in verse three, you are my servant, Israel, 
in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. You have the incarnation of Jesus Christ in verse one to four of Isaiah 49. From verse five all the way to verse seven, we have the blessing of Messiah. And this blessing of Messiah we will see in those four verses comes to Israel and it comes to all the nations. Now for that you can already say praise the Lord because if the Messiah only came to Israel, all of us that are in this room would have been left out. Whether you are black or white or any color in between, the reality is we here collectively are one in that we are Gentiles and have been grafted into this church, the blessing of the Messiah. In verse five it says, and now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel may be gathered to him for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation might reach to the end of the earth, even Pretoria in South Africa. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, that's the Anointed One. In the New Testament, that is the Christ. To the one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Right off the bat, when you think of 2 Corinthians 6's use of Isaiah 49, who is Isaiah 49 speaking about? The Corinthians? You and me? No. It's talking about Jesus Christ, right? Well, now read verse 8, which Paul is actually quoting. And this is the preservation of the Messiah. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land to apportion the desolate heritages. Just so far in Isaiah 49. You're welcome to turn back now to 2 Corinthians chapter six and let me make this point. Isaiah chapter 49 verse eight is pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, who takes comfort and confidence that the Lord will preserve him for the sake of Israel and the nations. And so how does Paul quote Isaiah chapter 49 verse eight in 2 Corinthians chapter six verse two? Paul appeals to the Corinthians not to squander the grace that they have received because grace has a name. Jesus Christ. 
Jesus bled and died for a people of his own possession. Jesus Christ was preserved. Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave. Jesus Christ was brought to life that his people may be saved. This isn't I being God, have helped you, the Corinthians, in the day of your salvation. This is I, being God, have helped the Messiah, Jesus, in the day of his salvation, in the day of his restoration, in the day of his resurrection. Lo, in the grave he lay, Jesus, my Savior, waiting for the coming day, Jesus, my Lord, and then up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Why? Because death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Paul quotes these verses. Not to say that Jesus is gonna help you when things are tough, but to say that God helped Jesus and resurrected him from the grave and so we can take confidence as we lay hold of this grace which God himself has given us. And so now is the right time to proclaim him to the nations. That's what Paul does. He then says, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Because Jesus Christ has been raised from the grave, you and I right now in this moment can minister that he is alive and heaven's doors are flung open to receive all that will accept him as their Lord and their Savior. Friends, in this way, Corinth wasn't so different to Pretoria. Corinth was known as being an immoral and hedonistic society. They were known for their immorality and their their disgusting practices. We read in God's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 9 to 11 that, that this city was filled with sexual immorality, filled with idolatry, filled with adultery, filled with homosexuality, filled with thievery, filled with greed, filled with drunkenness, filled with revilers, filled with swindlers. Corinth sounds just like Pretoria. And Corinth needed the gospel. And so Paul's appeal to the Corinthians was that they would take it to them. Paul appeals to the Corinthians not to squander the grace that they have received because Jesus is risen from the grave. And so now is the right time to proclaim him to the nations. Three descriptions of every Christian's ministry. And the first was that we are to herald, verse one and two. Central Baptist Church, Pretoria, being not that different to Corinth, we are to herald the gospel of grace that we have received. 
The gospel is about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this work is urgent. This work is hand in hand with God on his mission. Do not take the grace of God for granted, but seize the day, seize this present moment to proclaim salvation to all. Even right now, right where you are, consider how you can actively minister the gospel of grace with urgency to those that you love, those who are within your sphere of ministry. Your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues. Paul is exhorting the whole church in Corinth to take the whole gospel to the whole world. How will you take the gospel to your world? Second point, we endure. And that's from verse three to verse 10. We endure. Let me tell you what's happening from verse three to verse 10 in a summary statement. Paul commends his own ministry to the Corinthians which endures all hardship, displays all virtue, and persists through all difficulties. Paul commends his own ministry to the Corinthians. You can see that in verse three and the first part of verse four. Uh, The text reads, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry But as ministers of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in every way. You'll pick up a couple of words there, the word ministry and the word ministers of God. Your your Bible might read servants of God, but it's really just the same word. It's this idea of ministry. And then this, this very expansive word, in every way. We are commending our ministry, which we commend ourselves in every way. No obstacles in anyone's way, no fault. Uh, Paul had a winsome ministry. His desire wasn't to go out into his sphere of influence and make enemies as he bashed people over the head with his Bible. No, he wanted to remove obstacles so that people could clearly see the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, our ministry, as ministers of God, we commend ourselves in every way. This is the idea of of ministry being a sacrificial service to those Paul was taking the gospel to. He describes three ways. Uh, that his ministry took, three qualities of his ministry. And the first is that it was a ministry which endured all hardship. Uh, It says, in great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, in sleepless nights, in hunger. Paul knew what it was to suffer for the gospel. Paul knew what it was uh, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and face trial and tribulation as he went about it. 
As he speaks to the Corinthians, I went and checked yesterday. So I went and did a detailed reading through the book of Corinth. And it's true that there was some turbulence in the Corinthian church, but it doesn't seem that there was persecution in the Corinthian church. And so as Paul says, listen, yeah, I minister this gospel in every way that I possibly can and I commend my ministry to you. And he starts off by saying, even in hardship, he's demonstrating them the extremes that he went to in order to motivate them to take the gospel to their family and friends that are right in front of them. I mean, just give that a thought for two seconds or so. Paul traveled tens of thousands of kilometers to share the gospel message with people he didn't know. And you are being asked to spend no kilometers to share the gospel message with people you love dearly. Paul is saying, look at my ministry and now think of your potentials and opportunities. I ministered in hardship. Friend, minister in the relative ease that you find yourself in. But not only that, Paul is commending his ministry. And the second point that he makes is that his ministry displayed all virtue. Uh, You can read in verse six and verse seven together with me. In purity, and and maybe just to point out that all of these little prepositions, in, 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 they're not in your English, but they are there in the Greek. This is a list, a rolling list that Paul is giving us. In purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in truthful speech, in the power of God by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Notice how Paul went about sharing the gospel message. He wasn't red-faced and screaming, bashing people over the head with a Bible. No, Paul went about sharing the gospel with people he didn't know in loving ways. That means that we need to figure out loving ways to share the gospel with the people that we are in contact with, kind ways, patient ways, knowledgeable ways, pure ways. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we go about this task, having genuine love for the people that we are sharing the gospel with, being truthful in our speech, which means we don't avoid the hard topics. We lay them bare and we engage with people that have genuine questions about the Bible which we are putting before them and calling truth. We answer their questions, but we do so in the power of God, which reminds us that Paul said that it was God that was making proclamation through him. And so when you're speaking to your family and friends, you might be saying the words, but your confidence is that God is using you in a powerful way to open eyes of the blind and make the dead come alive. The third point that Paul makes under this topic of we endure from verse three all the way through to verse 10 can be found in verse eight. By honor and dishonor, by slander and praise. We are treated as imposters and yet we're true, as unknown and yet well-known, dying and yet behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor and yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. Notice, Paul didn't find things easy 
as he went about sharing the gospel, and neither will you. And Paul is, is saying to the Corinthians, friends, proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Jesus wherever you are found. But think of my ministry. It's been tough. I've faced hardship, and yet I've done so virtuously. But in the face of opposition, I still presented Christ and Christ crucified. Paul's ministry serves as a powerful illustration of steadfastness in the face of the challenges of adversity. He faced hardship. He faced afflictions. He faced oppositions, but he may remain true to his calling. With great endurance, he served God in purity, in knowledge, in patience, and in love. Paul's ministry was exemplified in sacrificial dedication. And he willingly endured slander. He willingly endured dishonor. He willingly endured even poverty for the sake of the gospel proclamation. Paul commands his own, uh, commends, sorry, his own ministry to the Corinthians, which endures all hardships, displays all virtue, and persists through all difficulties. And we've been covering three descriptions of every Christian's ministry. Every Christian, that, that's you too. Every Christian's ministry. We are number one to be heralds. Verse one and two. And number two, we are not to, uh, we are not to endure. We are to endure. Verse three to 10. In application of that second point, we're not so different to Paul. You say how? I've not been beaten. I've not been imprisoned. I've not been in the midst of a riot because I shared my faith. Oh, that might be true. But I don't think that that is Paul's point here. Paul's point is that despite any calamity he faced, he continued to proclaim the gospel. Emulate Paul's steadfastness through your own struggles. Your proclamation is amplified in the midst of your pain in the same way that Paul's proclamation was amplified in the midst of his difficulty. Your steadfastness, your purity testifies to the world when you talk of the strength that Jesus provides while facing cancer. Your endurance and your trust testifies to your world when you talk of comfort which comes from Jesus when you experience the loss of a loved one. Your faith and your righteousness testifies to your world when you talk of provision which comes only from Jesus when you lose your job. I was uh, reading some men from history who faced real hardship, sometimes even persecution uh, this week. I can't give you all the quotes because there were too many because the church has come under much persecution for the proclamation of the gospel. But I give you these two, um, uh, two Puritans, uh, men from uh, Reformed traditions because I, they stood out to me. The first is a man named William Barclay. He, he's a commentator. He wrote, 
that endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory. It's when our trials testify to God, when our struggles point others to him, that God uses the pain that we are going through for his own glory's sake. Now, the second is a, a man from the other side of the sea, Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards writes, in the Christian's weaknesses and vulnerabilities, the power of Christ is made evident, sustaining them through every trial. Friends, you wonder why you are going through a time of such weakness? It is so the strength of God may be manifest in you and you may testify and bear witness to a world which needs to see Jesus in you and Jesus through you. Three points of every Christian's ministry. This includes you and this includes me. Uh, The first was we herald. The second was we endure. The third is we love. And that's from verse 11 to 13. Let me tell you, the big picture of what's happening in verse 11 to 13. It says, Paul commands the Corinthians to be open-hearted toward himself, toward his message, and toward their own audience, even as he has been open-hearted toward them. Verse 11 reads, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and our heart is wide open You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. The final description of Christian ministry highlights the importance of openness and vulnerability. Paul addresses the Corinthians with a wide open heart. He he urges them to reciprocate toward him in the same manner. Open-hearted ministry fosters genuine relationships uh, where truth and love and reconciliation can flourish. Our hearts must be unreservedly upon both God's leading and to those whom we seek to reach with the gospel. Uh, Paul says in verse 11, we spoke freely to you. Uh, His message was open. Next he says, our heart is wide open. His person was wide open. Next he talks about them not being restricted. He was wide open towards them. And then he says, friends, in your own affections, in return, widen your hearts also. Have an open heart towards God's messenger towards God's message and towards the people you desire to proclaim the gospel to. Paul commands the Corinthians to be open-hearted toward himself, towards his message, towards their audience, even as he has been open-hearted towards them. We've looked at three descriptions of every Christian's ministry. The first was we, you, are to herald. Think of your family and your friends that you love that you need to be heralding to. The second point is we need to endure. Consider the reality that you might be called to suffer for your faith even as you go about the task of heralding to the people you love. And number three, we are to love.
how you convey that message is important, do so in a spirit of open-heartedness. How can we apply this last point we are to love? Love for your neighbor must extend to sharing the gospel with them. Not beating them over the head with your Bible, but lovingly pointing them to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And love must begin with your nearest neighbor, your wife, your children, your parents, your family, your friends, your co-workers, the people that are in your school or students that sit in your classes. Love compels you to herald in the present right now. Love compels you to herald in the mists of the mess and the difficulties of your life right now. For God so loved the world, not just a few, the wise and the great, the noble and the true, or those favored classes or ranks or you, God loved the world, do you? Last point of application. It's all very well for me to tell the Christians in the room that they are to herald and they are to endure and they are to love. But what about you who sits here this morning and does not know Jesus? but hears of a savior who died for your sins and hears of a savior who rose from the grave. What about you? Friends, the Bible reveals that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Friend, that's you. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died that you might live. The gospel call is this. You hear of the death of Jesus for your sins and you believe it. You hear of his resurrection from the grave and you celebrate it. Repent of your sins and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and you will live. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will live not only in this life, but forever in the life to come. Why? Because God's love compels him to save sinners just like you. We are to minister the death and resurrection of Jesus to our world. We've covered three descriptions of every Christian's ministry. We are to herald, we are to endure, and we are to love. Be reminded that we are ambassadors, every one of us representatives in a foreign land in this capital city of Pretoria. We are to herald the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our King, to our world. Our task is set. Our mission is clear. Make Jesus known in this place. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, what a joy it is to be counted as ambassadors of Christ. 
What a joy it is to have experienced salvation which flows from him. We think of songs that we have sung, of a fountain which we have experienced, a rich fountain which has poured life into our stone-cold dead heart and made us alive. We rejoice in that, and Lord God, we want to represent you to our world. By your Holy Spirit, would you enable us to do as much, that we would live our lives to your praise and glory, we pray. For those, Lord God, who are far from you, who are rebellious against you, who have transgressed your law, who have acted in this life in unbelief, we ask, would you open their eyes that they might see Jesus? Would you impress on their heart that heaven's gates are open, that they might come in even now? Would you grant them faith and repentance that they might believe that we might praise alongside of them forever and ever. These things we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.